Support for Old Kentucky Tales comes from the Jackson Purchase Historical Society, whose mission is to promote the interest, study, and preservation of Western Kentucky's history. Partnering with regional organizations to host events and programs, the Jackson Purchase Historical Society welcomes historians from the professional to the amateur to become a member. There are links to historical videos, biographies, archives, and more about becoming a member online at jacksonpurchasehistory.org. Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that we have never ordered gavaccioli at an Italian restaurant. Today's title is The Bubonic Plague versus COVID-19. I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is the man who is so smart, he became the founding member of IQAnon, Jason Donner. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Don't lump me in. Not even close. IQAnon. 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 There's all the difference in the world between the two. (laughs) Thanks a lot. IQAnon. I know, I know. (laughs) In this episode... In this episode of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will compare and contrast the two aforementioned dread diseases. In our bonus material, we'll hear Darth Lincoln, the words of Abraham Lincoln from Darth Vader's mouth. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. Here's power you can see. Take a good look, for this is what all the talk is about. It's sparkling new all the way through, from its fold-out wicker foot bumper, 18 feet back to those massive flight swept rear fenders. It's a handsome package of power, the most completely power-operated and power-controlled car on the highway. You'll thrill to Chrysler's dynamic new airplane-type firepower V8 engine, new push-button power flight automatic transmission, new power smooth brakes, and new power pilot steering that lends a full power assist all the time. It's waiting for you. Two more fabulous Chrysler firsts. New instant airplane type heating system from zero to room temperature in a matter of seconds. And the Highway Hi-Fi record player. Enjoy your favorite music while you drive. The new 1956 Power Style Chrysler. Now more than ever, America's most smartly different car. This car has a record player in it. <laughs> no, I know. This How is great. How in the world How are you is that not this? going to skip? Uh, it's got a smooth ride. <laughs> it's going to be the smoothest <laughs> ride in the universe. Yeah. Because I like that. You remember, one a lot. you remember, you had a record player, didn't you? Yes, of course. So anytime you jumped in your room, the yeah. record skipped? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very sensitive. That little needle. <laughs> <laughs> this thing, it's going to be which, 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 all the way well, down yeah, the highway, yeah, right? Yeah, in the car, but I guess if that's what you want, if it works, it works. Well, the car only goes three speeds. It can right. either go 33, 45, or 78. <laughs> that's right. There's oh, Todd chiming in again with the I, RPMs. I feel much better about it. It's not so jarring. I guess if you got to play your records in a car, if it works, it works. Why not? I can't believe it. Never it heard of that before. It, it had to have been experimental. You know, Elvis like jumped on this. <laughs> That's how DJing originated. <laughs> you know what I don't do enough on this podcast, I think, is probably sing. Now for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. 
You didn't know if we would do another COVID-19 episode or not. Maybe the second and final, right? So this yes. this should be Can like the be? ultimate rep, you know, retrospective, right? Nothing like a good plague to brighten up your day as you're <laughs> listening to the podcast, driving down the road. <laughs> Plagues. <laughs> Plagues and all their fun parts. I guess that's the old way to say it. The plague. Yeah. A yeah. plague. Bubonic. Yeah. It's bubonic, right? Bubonic plague. I think probably some people want to say bubonic. Is that stupid? Uh, it's probably just a pronunciation yeah. thing. I don't, I don't know that it could oh, be it wrong. You know? Yeah, I know. I think it doesn't sound that bad. Or you can just go with Black Death. That's kind of black death. hip sounding, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was another name they Maybe had I'll sing it. a Black Death song. <laughs> there you, they there were you go. good. Heavy metal. Yeah. Oh, I'm total <laughs> metalhead. So this thing was describing the bubonic plague in 1348. So that's a ways back, right? God, 1348. Was, yeah, everything was bad back then. Yeah, it's going to be one of the oldest things we've ever looked at. And Scrape your knee and you're dead. It's <laughs> probably about <laughs> Disease. right. And the author here is Boccaccio, and it's called the Decameron. So where are they? They're in Italy? It's uh, Florence, Italy. Okay. Florence, y'all, as they say up in northern Kentucky. You ever seen that? That uh, <laughs> no, what is that a commercial? <laughs> no, it's a it's a water tower. So you drive past up there, and it oh, says it's painted on there. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I didn't know. Get ready for plague. <laughs> Not in the town, but in the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, we've had our share of plagues. But what struck me about this was, even though that is thirteen forty eight. Some of the reactions yes. to, to okay. a novel virus seem to be kind of organic, and they're just going to well, do the are, history repeating thing. Yeah, I mean, they're humans. Of course. But much even then would have been more primitive as we would see them. Yeah, we, and we would like to think that until, <laughs> until we read about this and we think, <laughs> oh, wow, I, th- this feels weirdly familiar. Yeah. So let's see what he said. 1,348 years had passed since the fruitful incarnation of the Son of God when there came into the noble city of Florence, the most beautiful of all Italian cities, a deadly pestilence, which either because of the operations of the heavenly bodies or because of the just wrath of God mandating punishment for our iniquitous ways, several years earlier had originated in the Orient where it destroyed countless lives scarcely resting in one place before it moved to the next. And turning westward, its strength grew monstrously. That's interesting already, right? Origins, it's somewhere in Asia, and then radiating out, spreading to other parts of the world. Right. And you can track some maps of these kinds of things. Yeah. And they'll, they'll generally move kind of region to region in the following year. Okay. So it'll hit a region... And then you'll see, oh, it hit Central Europe in 1349 or 1350 or something. No human wisdom or foresight had any value. That, to me, is kind of timeless. Enormous amounts of refuse and manure removed from the city by appointed officials, which that's probably a good idea just in general, right? Policy. Could we get this pile of manure out of here? (laughs) It might have something to do with some of the illnesses. I think I saw a plague in there. Yeah, get rid of it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The sick were barred from entering the city. Okay. I mean, we saw the travel bans, right? Yeah. So 
I get we're, it. We're going right through this little checklist. <laughs> I mean, we did the same things they did right. in Florence during the plague. Many instructions were given to preserve health. Check. Just as useless were the humble supplications to God given not one time but many times in appointed processions and all the other ways devout people called on God. Despite all this, at the beginning of the spring that year, that horrible plague began with its dolorous effects in a most awe-inspiring manner, as I will tell you. And it did not behave as it did in the Orient, where if blood began to rush out the nose, it was a manifest sign of inevitable death. But rather, it began with swellings in the groin and armpit in both men and women, some of which were as big as apples, some of which were shaped like eggs. Some were small, others were large. The common people called these swellings gavacchioli. Which you said at the beginning. Right. Doesn't that sound like, like something a... <laughs> you could eat at the Italian place? Yeah, I'm going to need gavacchioli with extra tomato sauce. Yeah. That sounds pretty bad. The swellings uh, and the groins yeah. and the armpits. I, I think if you get this apple-sized swelling, yeah. you definitely know something's wrong. Praying for death. From these two parts of the body, the fatal gavaccioli would begin to spread, and within a short while would appear over the body in various spots. The disease at this point would begin to take on the qualities of a deadly sickness, and the body would be covered with dark and livid spots, which would appear in great numbers on the arms, thighs, and other parts of the body. Some were large and widely spaced, while some were small and bunched together. And just like the Gavaccioli earlier, these were certain indications of coming death. So as soon as you get this, it's like, you know, this is bad. Yeah, it looks bad. Looks bad. I mean, it looks like what we think of as a plague, really. When you get the spots, the boils, oh, those the, physical signs. Yeah, yeah, just you just look like you're. Um, what's that other awful thing that people would have? Not a ple- uh, leprosy. What is I, going on with leprosy? You know, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what all that's it's about. Bad. But you know, it's bad. Of course, people wanted to avoid it, right? Yeah. And you also so hear things like disease of some kind. Avoid it like the plague. Yeah. Uh, you hear all those kinds of things because people know that if you are around infected people then that is going to increase your chances for contracting it yourself. So definitely not a new thing. That's a definitely a very but when old you saw thing. this, there was no I mean you're dead. Start yeah, this is gonna be bad nose. stuff for sure. Uh, and also if you check out the symptoms of this, some of the symptoms, these are kind of the mild symptoms. It'll actually progress and and it'll do things like um, cause necrosis of your limbs. Uh-huh. So really bad, bad yeah. stuff. Just, <laughs> like, yeah, kind of like dying pieces. while alive. <laughs> I mean, right. it's really bad stuff. To cure these infirmities, neither the advice of the physicians nor the power of medicine appeared to have any value or profit. So once again, think to the beginning of your COVID experience. And what was the thing they were having trouble with was we're in the hospitals, we're having to experiment, we don't know. Yeah. Perhaps either the nature of the disease did not allow for any cure, or the ignorance of the physicians, whose numbers, because men and women without any training in medicine invaded the profession, increased vastly. Now, we didn't have to worry about that. We do have licensed doctors. 
As a consequence, very few were ever cured. All died three days after the appearance of the first outward signs. Some lasted a little bit longer. Some died a little bit more quickly. Some without fever or other symptoms. So that's interesting too, right? The asymptomatic yeah. experience that we've had with the COVID deal. But you had about three days to go once that's you what this says, saw yeah. the signs. So that's really different. Typically, I think that the people who have had trouble with COVID have been in the hospital a long time. Oh, well, that kind of means for that, days and days yeah. and days and days. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that part's completely different. Um, what gave this pestilence particularly severe force was that whenever the disease mixed with healthy people, like a fire through dry grass or oil, it would rush upon the healthy. And that has certainly been the case with, with COVID. And I remember um, first watching some news about this. And they said this guy in Washington State or something had caught it. And then his friend drove him to the hospital. And then his friend caught it. Okay. And right there I thought, oh, that's going to be pretty serious because, I mean, they couldn't have been together uh, what, more than a half yeah. an hour or something like that. He he probably wasn't like right. physically placing him in the car or yeah, anything. just in the car. Yeah. This is like one of the first memories um, when they started reporting it for you. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah. you remember hearing this story and like, what is this thing? Because yes. we didn't know what, how big it was going to get. We had just heard of it. And then people around here weren't catching it yet. But people on, say, the West Coast were mm -hmm. because that was kind of the pattern of infection. And it wasn't the worst of the evil. For not only did it infect healthy persons who conversed or mixed with the sick but also touching bread or any other object which had been handled or worn by the sick would transport the sickness from the victim to the one touching the object. It is a wondrous tale that I have to tell. If I were not one of many people who saw it with their own eyes, I would scarcely have dared to believe it, let alone to write it down, even if I had heard it from a completely trustworthy person. I say that the pestilence I have been describing was so contagious that not only did it visibly pass from one person to another, but also whenever an animal or other than a human being touched anything belonging to a person who had died from the disease, I say not only did it become contaminated by the sickness, but also died literally within the instant. Of all these things, as I have said before, my own eyes had experienced many times. Once the rags of a poor man who had just died from the disease were thrown into the public street and were noticed by two pigs who, following their custom, pressed their snouts into the rags and afterwards picked them up with their teeth, shook them against their cheeks, and within a short time they both began to convulse and they both, the two of them, fell dead on the ground next to the evil rags. Those poor pigs. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, can't just throw rags in the street. <laughs> and maybe that's another one of these sanitation issues, right? Because of all these things and many others that were similar or even worse, diverse fears and imaginings were born in those left alive, and all of them took recourse to the most cruel precaution, to avoid and run away from the sick and their things. By doing this, each person believed they could preserve their health. That's called quarantine, right? Uh -huh. Kind of comes natural is what he's saying, that they just naturally do that. Now, what I also like about this is, and we've seen all of this in our society, he's going to describe here several different reactions that you could have to knowing that this 
plague is out there. So one is running and hiding, cutting yourself off from society. Others were of the opinion that they should live moderately and guard against all excess. By this means, they would avoid infection. You know, maybe these are people who are just simply more cautious. They're not going to some extreme and hiding from society or something, but they're, yeah. they're certainly taking some precautions. So I think we, we've seen both of those kinds of schools of thought. Having withdrawn, living separate from everybody else, they settled down and locked themselves in where no sick person or any other living person could come. They ate small amounts of food and drank the most delicate wines and avoided all luxury, refraining from speech with outsiders, refusing news of the dead or the sick or anything else, and diverting themselves with music or whatever else was pleasant. Others, so here's another school of thought, others who disagreed with this affirmed that drinking beer, enjoying oneself, and going around singing and ruckus raising and satisfying all one's appetites whenever possible and laughing at the whole thing was the best medicine. That's been my protocol (laughs) for the past year. You just got there. You've been partying even harder. Is that right, Todd? Yes. (laughs) But, But you look at something like the spring break stuff in Florida. I mean, that's just what that is, right? That's that school of thought. Hey, this isn't any big deal. I'm just going to come out there and do whatever. Yeah, I don't. Even if they think it's a big deal, I think some people just would still um, want to do the thing that they're used to doing. You feel invincible. You kind of feel invincible when something doesn't happen, right? So, (laughs) as long as you don't wreck, who needs a (laughs) seatbelt? And it just keeps getting reaffirmed for you that that's okay to do. So, as long as you don't get sick. I was right to not think I'd ever get sick. And these people put into practice what they heartily advised to others. Day and night, going from tavern to tavern, drinking without moderation or measure, and many times going from house to house, drinking up a storm, and only listening to and talking about pleasing things. These parties were easy to find because everyone behaved as if they were going to die soon. So they cared nothing about themselves nor their belongings. This is not okay. COVID it's a little parties. different, but but there were COVID parties where we're just gonna all like kind of laugh at the thing. I mean, some people just did some stuff like yeah, that too, right? or just but like just... forget it, COVID. You can't win. We're gonna have a party and better. <laughs> <laughs> That's just dumb, though. That's stupid. Uh, yeah, I can't see how they kind of went with that one, but but some people did. When's the last uh, time you went to a COVID party? (laughs) I have not personally been to a COVID party. Okay, good. But (laughs) they cared nothing about themselves nor their belongings. As a result, most houses became common property, and any stranger passing by could enter and use the house as if he were its master. uh, What now? So basically, like, the party atmosphere got so out of control. Yeah. That these houses are just like an open party, and people are letting them do and, that. And people, yeah, people are just coming in. All right, and uh, there's also they're also having a problem here with maybe the owners have become sick already or something, oh, so, and so now right. now like it's kind of abandoned in this property, abandoned yeah. kind of situation. Exactly. These people always ran away from the sick, even though they were partying. It says, with so much affliction and misery. All reverence for the laws, both of God and man, fell apart and dissolved, because the ministers and executors of the laws were either dead right. or ill like everyone else, 
or were left with so few officials that they were unable to do their duties. So we didn't get in that bad of a situation. But I think you could easily imagine that, right? It doesn't take too long for chaos. <laughs> it doesn't take too long. To like break everything down. <laughs> right. If you feel like you can get away with it. Yeah. And you may die. So you just said, yeah, so, might as well okay, have fun. Okay, so I get arrested. I'm dead three days might, later. Right. Might as well have fun. Have fun now. That was kind of the, the thing that was happening right there. But this is really, really bad. And they could see it. They could see it coming. They could see it on people. Yeah. That's different. No, like that's you, true. You know, I mean, if you got very the boils, visible and like, hey, three right. days ago, they're dead. I'm avoiding you. Yeah, so that, there are some things that are different, obviously. Many other people steered a middle course between these two extremes, neither restricting their diet like the first group, nor indulging so liberally in drinking and other forms of dissolution like the second group, but simply not going beyond their needs of satisfying their appetite beyond the necessary, and instead locking themselves away. These people walked about freely, holding in their hands a posy of flowers or fragrant herbs or diverse exotic spices, which sometimes they pressed to their nostrils, believing it would comfort <laughs> right. the brain with smells of that sort because the stink of corpses, <laughs> uh-huh. sick bodies, and medicines polluted the air all about the city. So they're carrying around flowers just to cover up the smell. Yes. These are the hippies. <laughs> and if you want to freak out your little nephews. Probably pretty freaked out. Then you tell them about Ring Around the Rosie. Oh, you mean tell them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant. <laughs> or sometimes you, have a you tell them later if you want you're to. You're like, look at that. <laughs> but yeah, but, ring around the rosies about uh, the plague, right? Yeah. So you got the the uh, gavaccioli there, and there's a little kind of ring around pocket that. full of posies, and that's the flowers yeah. that you're that you're smelling to try to avoid all this stuff. Ashes. And then we all fall down. Is <laughs> we're dead in three days. A lot of nursery rhymes are like that, though, or stories. <laughs> yeah, a little. When you dig deeper, you're like, "Wow, that's a that's a kid's thing. That's a little different." Others held a more cruel opinion that, in the end, probably guaranteed their safety, saying that there was no better or more effective medicine against the disease than to run away from it. Convinced by this argument and caring for no one but themselves, huge numbers of men and women abandoned their rightful city, their rightful homes their relatives and their parents and their things, and sought out the countryside, as if the wrath of God would punish the iniquities of men with this plague based on where they happened to be, as if the wrath of God was aroused against only those who unfortunately found themselves within the city walls, or as if the whole of the population of the city would be exterminated in its final hour. But so, it makes sense to be away from people if that's where the disease you is. You get away from Not the that's, crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And and so they are social distancing in the just by go in camping. a fairly extreme way, right? Yeah. And and so think about how many people shifted their activities, their leisure activities to the outdoors. Well, it sounds like people just like packed up and left. Yeah, there and I'm they did. Go live and in the woods. Yeah, they're just, they're out. Yeah. Or maybe a country home somewhere or something like that. And they're probably people then, of course, more comfortable with just doing that. I mean, it's still they live in their house, but. You know, you know what I mean? Like if you had to go frontier style for a few months, <laughs> they're off going the off grid. the grid. Yeah, <laughs> off the off the thirteen forty eight grid. I I would have a tough time not being on the grid. I like the grid. Grid is good. Yeah, I love the grid. <laughs> Degridding is bad. Every once in a while, I have to restart my satellite so the it, it'll work better. <laughs> you get that is a long three minutes. Right, you get, you get withdrawal <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> 
As for the lesser people, now this is interesting. The lesser like, people? Yeah, so, so far he's been talking about people who had means. And the rich of the city and the nobles and... Oh, that's just the, the, the rich people. That's just the rich people. We haven't even talked about the poor people yet. Okay. As for the lesser people, who were for the most part middle class, they presented the most miserable spectacle. For these who had no hope or who were seized with poverty had to remain in the area and fell ill by the thousands every day. Yeah, okay. And since they had no servants or any other kind of help, almost without exception, all of them died. Yikes. So in this case, you start thinking about frontline workers. Maybe not doctors, but some of the other people that we described as frontline workers who are maybe in the grocery supply business or those things. They didn't get to quarantine. And so they just had to face it. Uh Uh-huh. In our situation. And it sounds like they had the same kind of thing happening there. Well, it also sounds like they have no money. They're exactly. Just, it's a lot of poor people that just couldn't. Yeah, you're not going to run away because you, you don't have the nothing. means to do it. Right. Yeah. I don't have a horse. I don't have a wagon. And many would meet their end in the public streets both day and night. Many others who met their ends in their own houses would first come to the attention of their neighbors because of the stench of their rotting corpses more than anything else. These and the others all dying, there were corpses everywhere. And the neighbors always followed a particular routine, more out of fear of being corrupted by the corpse than out of charity for the deceased. These, either by themselves or with the help of others, when available, would carry the corpse of the recently deceased from the house and leave it lying in the street outside, where especially in the morning a countless number of corpses could be seen lying about. Do you remember an episode in New York early on in the pandemic where they basically had bodies all stacked up and they didn't know what to do with them? I don't. It, it wasn't an overwhelming have... wave like this, but, yeah, they, but they had a they flirted with that kind of thing. So it was too many at once. They didn't have a capacity to yeah. store them like they normally would. This they're pulling out in the street. Someone's going to come along and pick them up, though. Funeral buyers. Funeral buyers would come, and if there was a shortage of funeral buyers... Some other flat table or something or other would be used to place the corpses on. Nor did it infrequently happen that a single funeral buyer would carry two or three people at the same time. That's got to be like the most undignified thing of the whole deal, right? Like, like you, you have gone into the great beyond. And under normal circumstances, you're kind of expecting like people are going to put on a little show. Uh, for, kind of for <laughs> you, you mean your funeral? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But now... You're actually doing the last ride with some other guy. So could you imagine being in the hearse with some other dude? Uh, I'm just thinking, like, where the, what are they going to do with them? Well, they, yes? um, well, are, they, they are. I mean, they, they are burying them, but then, of course, they they've, got all these, they've got all these problems with the burials uh, because we don't have enough people to do yeah, the burying. Think, yeah, it's and, not the and So, same. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of logistical problems that are going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you haven't seen your neighbor in a couple days. Then you smell him. And then you drag him out to the street. (laughs) (laughs) Nor were there ever any tears or candles or any company honoring the dead. Things had reached such a point that people cared no more for the death of other people than they did for the death of a goat. For this thing, death, which even the wise never accept with patience, even though it occurs rarely and relatively unobtrusively, had appeared manifestly to even the smallest intellects. But the catastrophe was so unimaginably great that nobody really cared. Yeah. 
Oh, how many grand palaces, how many beautiful homes, how many noble dwellings filled with families, lords and ladies, became completely emptied even of children. Oh, how many famous families, how many vast estates, how many renowned fortunes remained without any rightful successors. How many noble men, beautiful ladies, how many light-hearted youth who were such that Galen or Hippocrates or Asclepius, these are all ancient doctors, would declare them the healthiest of all humans, had breakfast in the morning with their relatives, companions, or friends, and had dinner that evening in another world with their ancestors. As I think over these miseries, sorrow grows inside me. Yeah, that's one heck of a plague. <laughs> that, is, that is one heck of a plague. Um, that, that's the way we see that, oh, those days, too, though. You know, just generally, like, not going to live long, lucky if you make it past 50. You got disease, you got war, starvation. You know what I mean? We look at that kind of all lumped together. Yeah. 14th century. The olden days. Yeah. Nasty, brutish, and short, as the old saying goes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> it's a real downer. Is yeah. That what you're <laughs> Making us relive all this. I don't want to listen, think about the plague. <laughs> Things <laughs> right. are getting better now, Brent. Okay. And we're going to end, we'd have to end that little part of the thing on the high note, right? So. Free house. <laughs> free, you, you, yeah, you get to live in a free house. <laughs> but. Um, How many people got wiped out percentage the, of the population? The estimates are that it's something like one quarter to one third of Europe. Yeah, okay. So if we want good news here. That's a lot of people, yeah. If you want to say, hey, COVID's the worst ever, well, you don't really get to say that. Well, that was my next question. Is there another plague or uh, pandemic throughout history that's worse than that one, the bubonic plague? Bubonic plague is bad. There's probably been, well, I guess it depends on how we count it. Um, if you look at the arrival of smallpox in the New World, okay. that one is really, yeah. really bad. There are some estimates there that say that within half a century, perhaps as many as 90% of the population <laughs> died. So that's um, – now, of course, those numbers are unknowable. Right. We didn't have census takers back <laughs> yeah. then and all that stuff. Yeah. But if those estimates are true, then that's on a scale that we can't even imagine. Right. So, you know, there's, there's always – history's got its little ways in there where you can get in there and, and help make yourself feel better by comparison. More deaths by disease than violence, would you say? That can happen. It can even happen in modern wars. So we see something like Spanish-American War. Yeah. The military deaths in that war for us were fairly small, but there were all these kinds of jungle diseases, malaria and yellow fever – that go right. with being in a tropical location, and yeah. those ran the numbers up. Don't we need to pay some bills? <laughs> we do need to pay some bills, Jason. <laughs> no bills more disease, Brett. All right, all right. We've, we've got <laughs> it out of our system now. How about now. the 80s? We'll do a death on the 80s. <laughs> Ask for Liebig's company's extract of meat, guaranteed genuine by, uh, by Baron Liebig. <laughs> Highly recommended as a nightcap instead of alcoholic drinks. Genuine only with facsimile <laughs> of Baron Liebig's signature in blue across the label. Sold by storekeepers, grocers, and druggists everywhere. So it's a meat drink. <laughs> drink of meat. Don't drink your alcohol. Um, drink these meat squeezins. I juiced, it, I juiced a pork chop for you. Is it gravy? Is that what this is? Are they just selling you gravy in a it bottle? It would just be fat 
water. <laughs> and this dude wants to make sure you don't buy some knockoff. <laughs> yeah, you can have generic meat extract. All right, well, let's do our Darth Vader now. Oh, okay. The world has now had a good definition of the word liberty. We all declare for liberty, but in using the same word, we do not all mean the same thing. With some, the word liberty may mean for each man to do as he pleases with himself in the product of his labor. While with others, the same word may mean for some men to do as they please with other men and the product of other men's labor. Here are two not only different, but incompatible things, called by the same name, liberty. <laughs> it's just so, it's so dumb. <laughs> so it only took four, four segments of that for the wheels to totally fall off. Oh man, it's like a book on tape. <laughs> like Vader reads Lincoln's greatest speeches. <laughs> the breathing, though, is what's so funny. He's, he's part got, robot. Sounds, he can't help it. But it sounds like he's got three or four going. He sounds like it's, it's scuba it's, diving. It's all of those robotic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's Vader's problem anyway? He got burnt up real good. I th- I know that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and they so rebuilt he, him with yeah. robot parts, and so now he's mostly robot. Oh, yeah, that's true. They gave him the arms and legs, but what's with the breathing? He has breathing problems? Uh, he's got all kinds of problems. There's hardly any uh, real person <laughs> left of that character. Are you gonna do Gettysburg address? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some good breathing. <laughs> we have now turned to the final page of this chapter. But don't worry, Old Kentucky Tales never fails to return. You can download even more episodes on iTunes or the NPR One app. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. If you did not like what you heard, then it's probably because of that Vader segment. <laughs> Special thanks to WKMS, our producer Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design, West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history. <laughs>